0: Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Welcome to Live Free Church. I'm Colby, and I just want to say thanks for letting us be a part of your Christmas uh, festivities tradition this year. I think about this is our third week in our Advent series, and I just want to say that I know that Christmas is going to look different this year. That um, for you and I being locked down in a pandemic, I know that a lot of us, it means that being separated from our family, from our loved ones, it means not celebrating the same style that we've had in the last couple of years. I know for us in our family that we're grieving that. We're grieving not being able to have a full house, to have people over at Christmas, to um, have a Christmas party, to celebrate with people, to go out. I think for us, for a lot of us, this has been a challenging season, to say the least. And I know for myself that right now I need Jesus more than ever. I need Jesus in my life more than ever. I need to be reminded every day that Jesus is the king, that Christmas is about him. I've been encouraged in the last few days about just reading through John Piper's devotional. There's a link in the bio. And really, it's it's looking at my life and seeing how I desire anything but Jesus. I know a few days ago, my friends and I were sitting at a coffee shop in town, a Third Space, and just talking about the fact of how in this season it's so easy to have escapist behaviors or tendencies. It's so easy to escape into social media or into substance or into unhealthy behaviors because I think for a lot of us that, that we're not, we, we mask the reality of how tough the season could actually be, of how t- tough it is to not have Christmas the way we've always had it. See, whether or not you have kids or um, a big family, there is a cost always associated with Christmas. There's always a cost to it. they are like, there's no way around realizing the fact that there is a cost to Christmas. You know, a few weeks ago, my wife and I were purchasing our kids' Christmas gifts, and usually we wait till Black Friday. And um, this year it's 2020, so we just have to be on the, the game a little bit quicker than that. But what happens is we're looking at this Lego set for my daughter, and this, it was like, there's a little icon on Amazon, it was like, um, top toy this year. And I was like, oh, whatever, like, it's just a top toy, like, you know, it's a hundred dollar Lego set, that we usually buy our kids, like, Lego sets every year, it gives them, like, hours to be distracted on Christmas morning, so we can make breakfast, or um, have a chill day. So we, we were looking at buying this Lego set, and I'm like, let's just wait until Black Friday, right? And so it's a hundred dollars, and literally, like, four days later, it was, like, sold out like that. It went from 100 to $250, right? And then that was, I was, like, realizing, like, oh, my goodness, like, I'm going to rush down to Toys R Us because things are just selling on Amazon because people aren't in the stores. They're buying things online. So I run down to Toys R Us, and I just see people, like, dads. I look at this dad. There's, like, just, like, you know, like, fear in his eyes as he's, like, we're just trying to hustle and buy some gifts for our kids, but everyone in the stores, we're just packed, right? We just want to have our, give our kids a decent Christmas this year in, a, in a, ye- a year that's actually been really challenging. I think about that, the fact that there is a cost. There's a cost if you have a spouse for Christmas, right, to, like, find the right gift. I've had friends who, who like, plan for months and months and months and months to buy the perfect gift for their spouse, to only buy the gift to realize that it's in the wrong size. Right? There's a cost to Christmas. But I'd love for us to talk today, but what's the cost of following Christ this Christmas? We've been in this passage in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, for the last few weeks. And I think... I just love the idea of us being in here for four weeks of just kind of like looking into the text, looking at words, looking at the, the overarching theme of the passage, and just really trying to, trying to land somewhere with this passage, of, of land it in our lives. I think sometimes when we preach a sermon, it's so easy to like just glance over something, but to actually look at the passage and see what it means, see what it understands. And this is Matthew, who's an eyewitness account, is an eyewitness to Jesus, a disciple of his. This is what Matthew says in chapter 1, verse 18. It says, The birth of Jesus came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, Son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord, the prophet Isaiah. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will, call, they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. We talked about that last week. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angels had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. You see, this, this passage shows us that, we talked about this last week, that when Jesus shows up on the scene, Jesus always disrupts things, right? He always shakes things up. Like, it's, it's hard for us to to take Jesus without him, without him disrupting pieces or parts of our lives. Christ always disrupts. And we're finding this passage, before he's even born, he's a disruption. He's a disruption to Mary and to Joseph. It's easy to look back on the story and see the outcome of the whole story and say, you know, because when you look back on, on years from your life, If I look back on last year, it's so easy to see with 2020 vision, but to be in the midst of the moment, this is what I want to talk about today, is the disruption that that Mary and Joseph faced. See, no one will ever receive Jesus as Mary and Joseph did in this passage, but I think it's really easy for us to identify with Joseph. And his reaction to the coming of Jesus into his life is easier for us than it is to... To empathize with Mary. See, Joseph was telling himself this really interesting narrative. He says, I'm a righteous man, right? That he was above the mess of the situation that Mary was in. He was above it. He wasn't going to disgrace her publicly, right? He was going to do it discreetly. Right? He was not going to publicly disgrace her in the obvious, immediate way of, of making this a big and public. Statement and saying that I'm turning my back on her because she's pregnant without this is not my child. What's what he's trying to say here is, but rather he's doing it very quietly because he was righteous. He was telling himself is that I'm a righteous man. I'm doing this because she what she's done is actually wrong. It's against the law of God. That's what he's saying, and actually references kind of back to Deut- Deuteronomy chapter 22, where he clearly says. You know, there should be no sex before marriage, even if you're betrothed, even if you're engaged. I'm what he's saying here is, I'm just a man, I'm a righteous man, I'm a very kind man. Actually, I'm willing to put her to the side very quietly. That she's gonna be disgraced eventually. But what Joseph is saying here is I could actually make it a little more gradual. Maybe I can soften the blow because of my righteousness. I might put it off a little bit, but deep down what he's realizing is that he actually wants to push away the messiness of Christ entering into this world. What it tells you and I, what it tells me my, for myself, what it probably tells you is that if you want a way out, when Christ is coming into your life, if you feel like Jesus is actually breaking into your life, there's always a way out. That if something that comes up and you're like, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with this thing that Jesus said or the, the way the church embodies Christ, there's always a way out. There's always a way out. There, there will forever be a way out. Whether you're righteous or not, whether you're Christian or not, there will always be a way out when it comes to Christ entering into our lives. See, if you're religious, right, so often it becomes about our morality, because how you live your life, how good you are. Essentially, you think you can be good without being with God, without Christ entering into the mess of your life. See, if you aren't religious, maybe that you're out and saying, well, man, it's going to cost way too much. Like, how am I going to explain this to my friends and my family how am I explaining to explain to them what it looks like to follow Jesus? Like That's what Joseph is doing in this passage. What he's trying to say here is how am I going to explain this to my friends and my family? I've been watching online where there's a whole group of people who are just deconstructing their faith. They're bringing down the foundations of their faith because they're saying, wow, well, you know, when I look at the culture and look at the things that their culture values, when I look at the Bible, or I look at Christ, it doesn't line up. And actually, a lot of times Jesus, or this biblical narrative that you find Jesus in, really makes me uncomfortable, so therefore I'm just going to cancel it. I'm going to actually deconstruct it, and I'm going to rebuild it in a whole different way. See, the, thing the dangers about, about deconstructionists is a lot of times they don't go back to the Bible. They build their faith on other famous YouTubers or vloggers or people, they don't build back their faith on Jesus. You may think about, you know, a relationship. Like, what are the foundational pieces in your life? And my worry a lot of times about deconstructionists or people in our culture who are just deconstructing their faith because they have a hard time with Jesus. Just like Joseph had a hard time with Jesus in this story is that you, your life has foundational pieces whether you like it or not. That one day that you'll see those foundational pieces that maybe you've deconstructed and you've rebuilt in the wrong way. And what happens is when you look at the way your kids embody what you believe or your spouse, when she's, she or he is looking at what you believe and saying, you believe that? See, Mary understood the cost before Joseph, that she was bearing a son. See, Joseph but Joseph wanted a way out. See, his first encounter with Christ was fear. He says, well, what, my friends, what are they going to say about me? My family, will they understand, and what will they do to me? What will they do to Mary? Like, how am I going to walk through public squares when people are like, Talking about our relationship. Like, this is a very typical like small town agenda. If you've lived in a small town, everybody knows everybody's business. But Joseph's response to Christ coming into his life was fear. Fear of others. Fear of having to explain the circumstances. See, in order to understand the cost of following Christmas following Jesus this Christmas. You need to know that it costs something to follow Jesus this Christmas. It looks exactly what Joseph feared, and that's disdain. See, it looks like disdain. We look in verse 19 of this passage so her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, publicly decided to divorce her secretly. See, there's disgrace here in this passage that following Christ so often in our culture looks a bit like disgrace. See, Joseph thinks, he says, well, to himself, you know, I'm just doing this nicely. I'm being righteous and just. But the whole point is that Mary... Someone he loves deeply is going to be disgraced. He looks at it, he says, I'm going to keep it from being too severe to being too extreme. Even if he marries her right now, even if he marries her immediately, people aren't stupid, that people will will know. Like, people, don't they do that today? Like, I've been to a couple weddings where I'm not aware of these things because I don't, (laughs) sometimes I don't care. But there, there's a wedding where someone ends up pregnant or has a baby before nine months. And people always are like, oh my goodness, I can't believe they did that. But see, this is what happened in, in Joseph's time. He's worried. Like, he's worried, what are people going to think about me? You know, what are, we, what are people going to think when, a, when we're married, you know, in January and our baby comes in May? Like, people know today, they would know back then. See, in that day, they had a a way more traditionalized culture than us. That Joseph realized that it was absolutely inevitable that Mary's life would be ruined. That she'd be cut off from her family to a certain degree. She'd be socially marginalized to some degree. She was going to be disgraced. Her life was literally blown up in a second. For Joseph to receive Christ into his life at this point, If he marries her, the disgrace comes into his life. The only way he can be free from the disgrace and the disdain of the world is to divorce her secretly. See, then it'll be clear to everyone that she's been unfaithful to him, but if he marries her and has this child three or four months after they get married, it's going to be clear to the whole world, to their own town, to their own community, to the whole world that they've been unfaith- she's been unfaithful to God. See, what Joseph is saying here is, I don't want this child in my life because if I bring him into my life, I get the disdain of the world. I will be marginalized. I will be knocked away. My life will be ruined as much as Mary's life will be ruined. It's just full of fear. See, the first thing that we see, the cost of every Christian, the cost of every Christian is to say this, That Jesus Christ has forgiven my sins and therefore I know him. I know the Lord. I know he loves me. I know I get to be with him in heaven forever. And that so often doesn't fit into our world's grid. The words you hear, what the world hears when you say that, when you say I'm a broken, sinful person, that Jesus came to save me. The world says you must be arrogant. The world doesn't understand the depths of, of the gospel, this great news that, that you're sinful and that Jesus saw that sin and came to live the life you couldn't live and die the death you should have died and, and rise again from the grave so you can live the life you've always wanted and life to the full. See, our world so often says, if there is a God, only the only people who would find God would be the very good people in the world, the greatest people in the world. As Christians, as Christ followers, we say exactly the opposite. That the reason why we accept Christ in our life isn't because of our good stuff, it's because we understand that our sin, our brokenness, is what we need saving from. See, no matter what Mary said to her friends and family, people were going to say, give me a break. No matter what you say, when you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to build a business in Kelowna, and people are like, oh, you're a Christian? Like, okay, crazy. Like, um, give me a break. You know, that's the disdain. That's the disgrace. Maybe people have thought so well of you before you became a Christian, now think you're just a marginalized person, or you're just like a, a ra- radicalized religious right person. You can still be a very nice person, but a lot of times people think, well, I don't know what happened to him or her, but I hope one day that she'll wake up. Maybe someday she'll come to her senses. I remember as a, when I became a Christian in grade 10, <laughs> I went to school one day and my friends were talking about what's going to happen on the weekend. And my friend was like, so you're coming out? Like right, We're going to skate and, you know, do all this stuff and uh, and I'm like, no, like I'll come escape, but I'm not doing all the other things that we used to do with our lives. And I remember my friend just being like, "That sucks, right? Like Colby, like I, I want the old Colby back. <laughs> I hope one day you wake up from being this Christian person. Maybe people who before thought you were good spouse material." or people who thought you, people who you thought were good spouse material, the whole map, the whole game has changed. The whole thing's been blown up. You know, by your career and your expertise in your field, you know, there will always be a danger, a tremendous danger, that, that you'll be cut out because of your position as a Christian. I remember working once at a, at a sawmill in Quinell, and I used to push a broom around the basement in the graveyard shift, and I remember the first, my first day on the job, there was a guy in my church who worked there, and he was a grader. And so you're just like grading lumber, and he just grade always like, Jesus loves you and Jesus is your friend. And on every piece of lumber, the guys hated him, right? And right away it came out, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to, as I get to the pulp mill or the sawmill, I'm just going to be like very mute about my situation because I want them to see my life and how I live my life before they judge me based on his actions. Right, this guy was totally unapproachable. I remember walking around the woodlot one night with my foreman, and we were walking, beautiful night, stars were out, and he said, you know, I can't believe that you believe in this Jesus stuff. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, I just thought it was for super moral people. <laughs> and he's saying, I look at your life and I think you do love Jesus. But doesn't it doesn't mean grading on the lumber and writing Jesus, uh, Jesus loves you or you're a sinful person or you're going to hell, turn or burn. Like, that's not what it means. But walking around, his, his, he understood my faith because of who I was and how I lived out the last few months of being a sawmill worker. I think it's the same for you, is that our fear in our workplace, their friends, their family, when we tell them about, about the cost of following Christ, that there's a fear of the disdain, of being despised. See, friends, if you're afraid, if you're scared, just look at Mary and Joseph Two illiterate, impoverished teenagers who did receive into their lives Jesus Christ and therefore the disdain of the whole world. And as a result, look what happened to their lives. Like all the people who disdained them, all the people who disgraced them. Have you ever heard of any of them? Have you ever heard of their names? Have you heard of the names of the people who spread rumors and rumors about Mary and Joseph? Do you know who they are? No, because guess what? They're lost in time, in dust. But when you look at what happens to the two people in this story, the two terrified people who had the courage to do it, it asks the question for us is, how do you and I find courage this Christmas to follow Christ? And then the first part is, is that we have the courage to love when it'd be easier to be Fearful. See, they had the courage, but Joseph was full of fear. Like Joseph was saying, No, 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 I'm actually being right. I'm doing the right thing. After all, look at what she's done. I'm following the law. She's not following the law. He's so full of fear that Joseph's initial posture is fear. And the one command in this whole passage is to do not be afraid. If you're following Christ this Christmas, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the, of the disgrace and the disdain of people saying, wow, your faith is just so narrow. See, what's the opposite of fear? It's love. Like, how can we love people this Christmas? How can we love our neighbors, our family members, our coworkers? Because it's going to look different. Right? Maybe it's buying them a gift or writing a card, dropping it off. I think for Joseph, he's full of fear. But the angel shows up and gives him courage to love when it would be way easier for him to be full of fear. And that's the same for us this Christmas, that we need to have courage to love when it would be so much easier to be fearful. The second way to find courage this Christmas is to, is, is the, to find the courage to follow It'll be easier to go on our own. See, when you accept Christ into your life, you'll never accept him unless you understand that there is going to be an adventure that he'll take you on. That Jesus cares as much about the journey as he does about the destination you're going. See, I love to have a plan, but one thing I've learned in this season, in this, this season of a pandemic, is that I need to have the courage to follow Jesus every day. My friend, my mentor said, every day in a pandemic, you should just wake up and say, Holy Spirit, Jesus, where do you want me to go today? That's been my posture for the last nine months. It's to say, God, where do you want me to be today? Who do you want me to love today? Like, that's the grand adventure we find ourselves on when we follow Jesus. But so often, our lives, that we want to be self-made people. Like, that's the lie we hear ourselves all the time, is that we want to be self-made people. Men and women in our culture. And Jesus wants us to be relying on him, not self-made. The courage to follow. I think a lot of times of this story by by C. S. Lewis, where he says, When someone asks Jesus into life, it's so often like a house, right? And we think that when Jesus comes into our life, he's gonna maybe like do the gutters or put blinds up or curtains up or drapes in our house. And so often what happens when, when you're essentially a brand new Christian or you're someone who's following Christ, you hear this, this noise in your life and you realize that God's jackhammering pieces of your life and adding on new wings and expanding. And you're like, what are you doing? And What God's saying is, I'm actually making room for myself in your life. There's never been enough room in your life for me. See, that's the adventure, that's the courage to follow Christ when he's jackhammering the things that maybe you held on to, the things that you valued, the things that you desire, daydream about. See, to accept that adventure Joseph did, you need to to not be afraid. You need to also be aware that Jesus is coming into your life as Savior, as a King, someone who's going to help you, someone who's not always totally predictable. See, Jesus is coming into your life as Lord and King not to be named, not for us to create this in our own image, but for, for him to create us to re, rework our lives to look more and more like him. The Bible says that we're sinful people. Now, that we are more sinful than you and I could possibly imagine. But through Christ, when you follow, when you follow Jesus, when you understand the cost of Christmas this year, the cost of following Christ, We are not given the name of just sinners, but we're actually given the name of a saint. We live in these two kind of worlds. See, when you understand the depths of your sin, but also understand the, the depth of his grace, that gives you the courage this year to love when it'd be easier to fear. That gives you the courage this Christmas to follow when it'd be easier to lead. That gives you the courage to understand the cost this Christmas to follow Jesus. I'd love to pray with you. God, I thank you for how you've led me in this season. That you know our hopes and our desires for this Christmas season. You know the, the letdown we feel like this year has been for some of us. I've not been able to celebrate Christmas with our friends and our family. It's just another... Just more salt on the wounds of 2020. Father, I pray that we would have the courage to follow you this Christmas when I know a lot of people in Kelowna are so fearful, but would we rather choose love because you loved us first? Would we follow you every day Would it be so much easier to lead ourselves? It's so much easier to lead and become self-sufficient instead of self-reliant on you. Father, I pray that our posture would be repentant, that that I come before you every day and say, Jesus, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to do? Who do you want me to love? How do you want me to, to love like you loved in Kelowna? People around us, friends and family, this Christmas. Jesus, we need you. I need you more than ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast, share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.